Thanks for tuning in. We hope this episode encouraged you. Like all creatives, we thrive on consumer recommendations. So please consider leaving us a review and sharing our podcast with your creative friends. If you'd like to continue this conversation, visit us on our website at QWERTYWritingLife.com or on Instagram at QWERTYWritingLife. Hello, everyone. It's another week. Hello and welcome. Tonight, we're going to talk about the lighter things, entertainment that inspires us. But before we do that, let's talk about our creative weeks. Joy, what did you do? Oh, so I am juggling things, like major juggling. I've got (laughs) one book I'm working on revising, one I'm working on launching into the world, and this is also right on top of the right before Christmas where everybody has to do something. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? (laughs) Every kid has a party and a ceremony and a this and a that and their school, and everybody's thinking about presents and not focusing Mm -hmm. on said school. So that's where (laughs) I am. So what about you, May? Oh my goodness! Well, um, I feel I feel that hecticness that you're that you're feeling, and also like the lack of focus on the things that are are a priority and like right now. So I feel you there. Just want to share my my solidarity with you. <laughs> but uh, as far as creatively, though, I'm at the point where I can actually start writing the draft of my book. So it's gone through mm-hmm. uh, the seminar all the way through. The, through the draft part and so I'm ready I'm ready to start like really dig it in and it's very exciting because you know it's been a while since I've written some fiction prose and uh, so I did poetry for a good long while I've done a lot of non-fiction stuff I work I write for work and then and emails and procedural manuals and things like that, but I'm actually finally able to get back into um, the fiction world, and I am so excited, guys, so excited. Awesome. I'm excited. As as your boutique partner, I am so (laughs) excited because I want to read it. (laughs) No pressure or anything. I want to write it. So here we are, and I'm hoping that with all of the preparation, and I feel really strongly about these characters and the story. I feel like I have worked it so to to, to such a well-rounded place that hopefully it'll just pour out. We'll see. <laughs> I know it'll be great. I know it will. <laughs> So I already told you guys that tonight we're going to be talking about the uh, the lighter things. And uh, just to give you a little bit of background on this topic, in episode 11 in Creative Ways to Bend Your Craft, so that's this season, episode 11, we talked about how consuming art is an imperative part of the creative process. In the writing world, we hear the phrase, filling the creative well, often. You know, have you heard that before? <laughs> yep. <laughs> So that just means that you can't pour out what you don't contain. And that phrase embodies our consuming art concept that we talked about in episode 11 as well. Yeah. And, you know, something for you guys to know a little bit about May and I is when we chat with each other off air, our conversations often center around what's inspiring us in the moment. Um, Books Mm -hmm. we're reading or listening to, shows we love and movies we're digging. And um, we even swap favorite podcasts, social media accounts, things like that. So when we're not recording, 
that's a lot of times what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so much fun to be able to get excited about something and share it with somebody else who has a commonality with you. And so, you know, find your person, people, because it's, it's great. It's a lot of fun. Um, but as we're thinking about like the holidays coming up, we decided that we wanted to accomplish three things with this particular podcast episode. First, we wanted to have like a lighter approach because sometimes things are hard. And, you know, if you listen to our last episode, it was a little bit heavy. So we wanted to be a little bit more light in this episode. Uh, secondly, we wanted to move away from the same old, same old holiday topics. So you're tired of them. We're tired of them. So let's do something different. And thirdly, uh, we wanted to add something to the conversation on creativity. And this is a goal for every episode that we do in this entire podcast. We just want to continue the conversation and add something new or do a new perspective, that sort of thing. So we're here to do that today. <laughs> so with those thoughts in mind and the inspiration of our off-air chats, we considered this topic of filling the creative well from a different perspective. Um, entertainment can accomplish this in a special way for creatives. When we watch a show or scroll through social media, we're not just being entertained. We're not just doom scrolling. <laughs> At least we shouldn't be. <laughs> we're actually soaking up inspiration. In many ways, consuming entertainment for the creative is a much deeper pastime than we might think. And I have never heard the term doom scrolling. It's now a part of my everyday vocabulary. <laughs> I love that so much. And that's exactly what it is when I get lost in social media. <laughs> but... Um, so just to kind of piggyback on what you were just saying, like the creative stimulation, it doesn't actually cease with the consuming of the entertainment. We're big fans on reflection that comes afterwards, after you have consumed. So our chats help us work through what we've learned or what has triggered our creative superpowers. And that's, that's why having a creative friend or someone that you can open up to is such a good thing. With this combination of consuming entertainment with a creative spirit and a reflection on what it gives us comes the incorporation of these new thoughts and ideas into our own creative projects. There we go. So now that we've shared our thoughts on entertainment, we'd like to share a few sources of inspiration for us with you. So, May, will you get us started and share some of your experiences with entertainment that inspires you? Yes, I made a list. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it might be helpful, too, to know, like, the trigger that I recognize in order to be retrospective on the entertainment that I consume. So what I'm looking for, the trigger for the entertainment that I look to analyze is the feeling of living in the middle of it all. So time and surroundings vanish and it's just me immersed in the story of the art. And so when I kind of shake free of that immersion, you know, I can return to reality. I have to ask myself, like, why did this entertain me so much? And how can I apply whatever the reason was that it entertained me so much to my creative projects? So here are a few things that I've consumed lately and analyzed. 
So one of the first things that when I was making this list, uh, one of the first things that came to mind was an Instagram page by author Alex Bracken. And she it, she's a wonderful author. She's written a, a great book called Lore and The Darkest Mind and, you know, lots of other books, actually. But the part... And, and I am inspired by those things, so let me let me say that too. But the one thing that really had my creative energy flowing was the highlight story um, where she puts all of her home remodeling highlights for Instagram. Oh, wow. So all of their choices like kind of speaks to my designer's soul. And, and I thought it's so interesting because when I go through these stories and she like does paint samplings and she's like, I'm thinking this one or this one, what do you guys think? And then wallpaper and like cabinet coverings. I mean, I don't know, but, <laughs> but all of these things. But what's interesting to me is that whenever she um, has chosen a color, she shows how it's done or even with the paint samplings or something, how the colors change, like my emotions and it's really interesting to me because I can calm for certain colors and um and and I can kind of get worked up with other colors and I don't I don't think I've ever recognized that until I started watching her remodeling highlights which sounds ridiculous but it is something that made me feel like I was in the middle of it and so I had to analyze it so there we go <laughs> I love that. I love the whole um, colors and emotions thing. It's like one of the coolest things ever. So there were two movie villains that made me sympathize with them so much that it made their demise so much more emotional and like just just spirit rendering. <laughs> like it was terrible. I felt so bad. I cried and cried. But um, but there were two, and they were all they were both in the Marvel universe. So there was Black Panther when Killmonger died at the end, and then oh sorry spoiler spoilers. <laughs> I figured that movie's been out long enough that maybe everybody's seen it. I don't know. Sorry if you haven't. Um, but, and then there's Shang Chi, which I will not say what happened at the end because that is a, a relatively new movie. Um, I won't say in case anybody hasn't seen the movie, but so, so like a sympathetic villain to the max in that potential in that particular villain. And it did. It made me stop and it made me think, why did I feel this way? Why was I so attracted to the story? And how can I make this? Um, how can I incorporate this into my art? And I definitely know and have worked into my story a more emotional villain-like character. And even to the point where um, there are some characters that you think are just real bad and they have a new perspective comes around toward, another, toward the end of the story. And I'm like, mm, okay. And that's because I was able to analyze these entertainment value things. I was like, oh, yeah, let's do this. This would be great. So... Um, another one that complete, like I, I've even reread the book like three times now, but there's a book called the hating game. It's a rom-com. Uh, and, but, but the characters in it are so real and so wonderful. It's Sally Thorne is the author of this book. 
And what I found out whenever I was retrospective about this story was that there are so many atmospheric things that connected me to the story. So a lot of things that I just loved. And so books and vintage clothing and there's a strawberry farm in it. The main character grows up on a strawberry farm. How adorable is that? Um, The nicknames that they use. um, She collects Smurfs. I mean, it's just like everywhere you turn, there's just this really charming, adorable thing that's happening. Uh, there was a paintball war. Um, the Robin's egg blue is, is one of the streamlined colors that go through the book. And it's just like the whole, there's just a palette of all of these, these things that I connected to because those are things that related to me. So I think that Sally Thorne and I must be best friends from another life. And (laughs) she wrote such a a story that, that, um, that I just fell in love with. And also the reason why the main character, Josh is misunderstood was also something that I had not experienced in a story before. And it was so human. Like the reason was so human that I just, I sympathized with him as well. I connected with him on, a, on an emotional level and also connected with Lucy on an emotional level too. So um, this book is actually being turned into a movie that will come out on December the 10th, which is super soon. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, and I hope it holds up. I hope all of those little details hold up. And I have seen the trailer It uh, and it does have some of like, there's a little Smurf on our desk and you know, there's some of these little doodads in there that does hold up to the atmospheric charm that the book gave to me. So I'm really hoping that it all comes together. And uh, so I have a couple of other things. I think I'm probably just going to stick to this last one um, because I don't want to use up all of our time and we got to get to your list too. So <laughs> But uh, there's a a podcast called A Mouthful of Air. It's a poetry podcast where um, the host reads a poem at the beginning and then he analyzes the poem and then he reads it again so you can hear it like with the the analytical thought behind there. And I just thought, oh, so brilliant because, you know, whatever I thought at the beginning might not be what I think at the end. And I love uh, documenting the change from hearing it with no conceptual thought there and then hearing it after the explanation and and just to see. And sometimes he even does, um, he does poetry writers there and he'll interview them and then read the poem again, which I think is just so brilliant. Like the whole idea of it is such a brilliant idea. Um, Any singer, songwriter, music, any, any music that tells a story, I'm all in there. And that, for some reason, it just opens up the creative doors. And I'm like, there's magic. There's sparks going. Um, I feel you and on then, that. Yeah. <laughs> I heard a song today. I was telling my husband about it that I, it's by Metallica, who I love Metallica. But for whatever reason, I've never really picked up on this song before. It mm-hmm. is Jack. It is Jack in a song. And I was like, oh, my word. Where was this when I was writing any good thing? But it's just. Add it to the playlist. I will. I will be adding it to the playlist. <laughs> to the playlist. <laughs> That's right. So, okay, so that did those really quickly. I am going to spend a tiny bit of time on Mary Poppins for a second. <laughs> as we should, so, because Mary Poppins as we is should. delightful. 
It is. And so I had a, a moment where uh, my, my kid came home and he was like, I want I want to watch the first Mary Poppins. He had like started it in school and he really, really wanted to finish it. And so uh, I watched I watched it with him. And oh, my gosh, as an adult, I watched the, the original Mary Poppins with, with Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke. And they were just an amazing team in the storytelling venture. And so I think that's what was so special about it to me is that Mary Poppins kind of like created all of this chaos. And then here comes um, Dick Van Dyke's character and he kind of just lays it all out to not only to Mr. Banks, but also to the children too, whenever they run away from the bank. And he's like, well, you know who I feel sorry for? I feel sorry for your dad. And it's like, Oh my gosh, like, and they, and they, they finally have some sort of perspective about their dad. And then he's also the one who gives the dad perspective about the kids. And, you know, Mary Poppins has set up the, the table of events for all of this to come to fruition. But if it was not for the partnership with Dick Van Dyke, Mr. Banks wouldn't have gotten it and the kids wouldn't have gotten it. And there would not have been that beautiful character arc at the end of the movie. So there is that. Um, so because I watched that and I was like, I have to, I have to compare this right to the new Mary Poppins. So I watched Mary Poppins returns and I did love the movie. I did love the movie, but there was not that partnership there. And I did, um, I did miss that. Um, what I, what I loved though about Emily Blunt's um, portrayal of Mary Poppins was she had these. She was a little bit more emotional, emotional in her facial expressions. Mm. So she would have quiet facial expressions that showed like her true emotion. So whenever, when the kids would like leave the room, she, she would share that with the audience of the movie. She never broke the fourth wall, but, um, in her like quiet personal moment, we would see her smile or be excited about going into a painting or something, you know? So uh, I just love the way that she enjoyed being like, she showed how Mary Poppins enjoys being this magical nanny. Um, and I also, I also noticed in that movie too, that Mary Poppins was a little bit dismissive to the children. And I noticed that in the first one too, but I didn't ever, I didn't understand why until I watched Mary Poppins returns. And, and actually it makes a ton of sense when you kind of pick it apart and look at it retroactively. And because if she would have been super loving and affectionate to the children, the children would not have, a, they would have attached to her and not to her, their parents. And I just thought, wow, you know, I, I never thought about that from a storyteller perspective. And now I see that. And so there are going to be some choices that my characters are going to have to make. That's actually for the good of the, the other people in the story. You know, you know, you know, Mary Poppins wanted to hug up those kids. You know, she did. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so, anyway, so that's, that was so very interesting. and. Then after I watched Mary Poppins Returns, I was like, well, now I have to see Saving Mr. Banks. So, <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> I didn't have to figure out why all of this happened. And that was just a beautiful, a beautiful, heartwarming movie about a broken woman who, who wrote 
this story to try to heal herself. And she thought that she had. And, um, and it wasn't until she kind of let go of the character and, you know, the, the bits of the band-aids that were kind of holding her together, could she truly heal? And I was just like, oh, this, you know, it kind of brought all of those things together and formed this well-rounded, like, piece of entertainment that was super inspirational to me. And so... Those are a few things that I've been thinking about lately. (laughs) I love that. And I think that two things that really stand out with the Mary Poppins thing to me is how inspirational it is to watch. um, Because, you know, there are so many movies that have been done multiple times over the years or they've been done in a different time. You know, like the Mary Poppins Returns um, versus Mary Poppins. Remakes are huge. Why? I don't understand what's going on with that. but. Yeah. But like you were explaining about like how the actress who played her in the second one is like the way that she portrays that character is so different. But there's these little things. And I think as for us <laughs> as writers, that really helps us think about our characters maybe in a different way. Like how would who how would my character act if I were acting them out? Or what if someone else was acting them out? You know, like you can kind mm-hmm. of pull that into your writing and um, in an interesting way. And then another thing with it is what you said at the very beginning, how you hadn't seen Mary Poppins since you were a kid, probably. So watching it again as an adult is a completely different experience. And I mm-hmm. think, you know, when we when we think about potentially writing for children, um, when it comes to writing books for kids, I think having that mindset of remembering what it was like to take in and consume this story as a child, and then again as an adult, picking up all those little nuances and those little things that we didn't pick up as kids, and how as an author you can kind of weave both of those things into a story. So super inspirational mm-hmm. all the way around. Yes. <laughs> yes. I love that. Thank you for that analysis too, because yeah, it is. It's just a totally different thing. I'm going to need to to push pause for just a second. There's a raccoon on my back porch trying to eat the cat food. Oh no. So, (laughs) okay. Well, you go take Give me a minute. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a hole in my screened in porch. Oh no. Made by a raccoon or five. I really, there were were way more than one out there. I don't know if there were five, but that might be an exaggeration, but there were at least three. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It was a gaggle of raccoons. Okay. I wonder what they're called. Like a group of (gasps) raccoons. You know how like everything, like a a collective noun. Yes. Like owls. It's a parliament, right? Yes. We should find out. I feel like we need to know this. This Mm. is something we need to know. This is a good sidebar people. Yes. (laughs) This is what we call a squirrel. There's a buzzing in my ear that I'm trying to fix while you were looking at that. Let's see. It's called a gaze. A gaze of raccoons? Yes, a gaze of raccoons. Y'all, I feel like we're all so much better for having learned this tidbit tonight. (laughs) Well, they are terribly cute, and they, they make the cutest sounds, but they are so terrible. They really are. They're little stinkers, man. Sorry, I thought I heard something else. Now I'm all paranoid. I'm like, where's the raccoons? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Like, and then one of them, when I was looking out the, the door 
he's like on his hind legs, like, hmm, what you got in there? <laughs> like, you are so cute, but you cannot have my cat food. <laughs> nope. Nope. And there are two holes in the bottom of the cat food bag. So here we go. Oh, my word. It's going to be fine. It's going to be so fine. Stickers. Can we, um, this, there's got to be a way to patch a screened in porch. That's going to be my next Google search, but we'll get that. We'll get to Ugh. that later. So <laughs> sew it like fishing line. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I skin a raccoon and cover it with its hide. <laughs> hey, maybe that'll keep them away. It's <laughs> like cute. It's fine. And that's Peta knocking at your door. Mm. <laughs> I'm not skinning a raccoon, guys. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> so sorry about that little intermission. <laughs> if anybody knows how to patch a screened-in porch, please email us at QWERTYWritingLife at gmail.com. <laughs> we very much would like to know. <laughs> and now that, requested. now that we have informed mm. you what a... Collect, the collective noun for raccoons is it was yeah. all part of the plan. It was all part of the plan, <laughs> exactly. So, okay, so I really, really want to know, like, what have you been consuming lately, and how has it inspired you? <laughs> well, aside from a gaze of raccoons, <laughs> I will say that fairly often I say, or I think at least, wow that was inspiring. Like, I don't know if y'all are like me, but this happens often. Um, sometimes it happens while I'm reading or after reading a great book, watching a show or movie that packs a punch, you know, mm -hmm. um, or even during the more mundane things of life. Like I say mundane kind of in air quotes there, like scrolling social media, like we were talking about earlier or reading through a newsletter, things like that. Um, so as we were talking about this particular episode, I started thinking, what is it about these forms of entertainment that cause me to go, whoa, and think? And it turns out I actually have a few specific triggers that indulge my inspiration tooth. And from there, I have specific ways of transforming their creative boost into my past, current, or future projects. So today I'm just going to share two of those with you, though, because... I could probably just drone on and on forever about this and bore you all to tears, and I'm not going to do that to you. So, <laughs> two things. <laughs> First and foremost, I am a seeker of stories. That's what I figured out about myself. I literally crave stories. Like, I'll be sitting there, and I will literally think I'm craving a story. You know how you get hankerings for cheesy bread from Domino's or really <laughs> ooey-gooey brownies? <laughs> well, I crave stories in the same way. So... Um, one of the things that came to mind is art. You know how people always talk about what paintings or art mean to them or like how they speak to them or what it makes them feel. I don't really reflect that way very often. I feel like a novice of the museum world by saying that, but I want to know about the artist and I want to know the story behind the painting. I want to know why that artist created the way they do. Um, What's the story behind the sculpture, for example? What does it mean to them? And then knowing their story or the story of the piece or whatever um, kind of makes that art live for me. Even just knowing a little bit about the time period of the artist, for example. Um, it's just that story nugget that kind of helps me start spinning my wheels and thinking more creatively about the piece. 
When it comes to TV, while I love a good cooking show or home improvement show as much as the next gal, sometimes I just need a tale. And so I'll flip on NCIS or I'll continue my really nerdy journey of going through all the Arrowverse episodes in order because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> they're just so good and I love Arrow. But anyway, I digress. Um, sometimes, though, cooking shows or home improvement shows also spin a yarn or two. And I am really digging the Magnolia Network for this reason. So to me, Chip and Joanna Gaines show Fixer Upper, which some of you guys may have watched. Um, that show always, to me, has been way more about the story behind the homes um, and about their family than necessarily about the design or the renovation work. Um, and I feel like that's an approach that the Gaines have kind of made their own and done really well. And now they infuse it into the other shows that are on their network. So two of my favorite shows are The Cabin Chronicles and Self-Employed. Cabin Chronicles begins with the most relaxing music on the planet. Like, (laughs) it's the kind of music that they would play if you go in for a massage. Like, that kind of, you know, just super, super relaxing. To make it even better, the shows are only six to eight minutes long. So... I rarely get to watch TV alone. I rarely have time alone, period. (laughs) So often, though, I'll actually have these pesky few minutes where it's not actually long enough for me to do anything of substance, really, or get into a a book or a project or anything like that. Um, But it's just enough time to watch an episode of Cabin Chronicles. So as if that wasn't enough, there are the shows themselves. So Builders, homeowners, or renters virtually invite you into their little cabin for a tour. They share the story behind the building, behind the land, behind the furnishings, um, and then they share their stories. And a lot of these people have been, are artists of some sort. There have been photographers, painters, all sorts of different artists or creatives in some way. But the thing is, with every one of these episodes, it reminds me of place purpose, grounding, home. And those are really important themes in literature, I feel like, and Mm -hmm. especially in some of the literature that I've written. So the practical takeaways for me with with these episodes include a reminder of what's needed to create and what's not. And Mm -hmm. for example, silence and stillness and just being are a lot more important than we might think. Every time I sacrifice my eight minutes (laughs) to watch one of the shows, I feel super energized and encouraged to go out into nature or some quiet spot and just allow my creative mind to sit in quiet, um, just kind of be, you know, just be and allow something to emerge, something that the noise around me might have been suppressing. So that's kind of one of the things that really jumps out for me there. And the other show I mentioned was Self-Employed. And that one flows into the second way that entertainment inspires me. So I'm also a watcher of the work. So seeker of stories, watcher of work. Y'all know me and my alliteration. (laughs) But what I mean (laughs) by this watcher of the work is I love to hear about the hard work that goes into someone becoming successful. achieving their dreams, whether that's in this show where the host, Jonathan Morris, who is an absolute delight, um, he goes around, he visits entrepreneurs, 
around the country and he asks for their stories and he asks for their tips. Um, So whether it's in that show, the way that he does it, or if it's by following authors or artists, celebrities that I admire on social media or through their newsletters, um, that's kind of where I get to see this this work happening. Um, And I think that Maggie Stiefwater is probably one of the best examples of this. Watching her um, has just been amazing. and I've learned a lot from her more than just the writing craft. Um, She is such a genuine and giving author who has dealt with more than her share of public issues, I feel like. And I've been impressed with and inspired by how she handles herself in these kind of sticky spotlight situations. Um, She also shares the hard work that goes into producing the kind of literature that feels totally effortless when you read it. You know, it really does. It feels effortless. But I know, I know how much time, you know, she puts into her writing. Um, I just reread the Scorpio races 10th anniversary and wow, like it's just amazing. So it's one of my favorite books. Like it is, it's just just in life, you know, I know I fell in love with it like all over again. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I did every time I read it about once a year and it's just, it, it captures me all over again every time. Well, it was funny, too, because it's been, like, several years since I had read it, and I had mm. kind of forgotten exactly what happened. Like, I I kind of knew, but I kind of forgot all those little details, and as I was reading, I was like, oh, that is just so good. <laughs> of course she did it like this. That was so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, and they were just, like, underlying little hints of life, mm. of story that was outside of Sean and Puck that happened. And it could have just been like a glance or a touch or a small phrase or something. And and if you let yourself think about that and how uh, what the underlying meaning is of, of those little things, then you can, like, there's a whole nother story that's being told yeah. quietly in the background. And it's just, yeah, it's magical. <laughs> well, it's like the island itself is a character. And mm-hmm, for sure, yeah, nature and and the horses, uh, yeah, it's it's a big deal. Kiss. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I think the thing about Maggie is that she there are three things that really stand out about her. In addition to the things that I've already said, she's an author who knows her voice and how to maintain it um, across genres. And she knows how and when and why to break the rules, (laughs) which I think she does really well. And she knows when to address scrutiny or misuse or misunderstandings and how to do it with grace and strength. And that's one of the things that I've learned so much just by observing her on social media or in her newsletters or things like that. Um, Yeah. And tactfully. Yeah self-preserving in Mm -hmm. in a way like she's she's so introspective and I you know we use that word all the time but it's it's being practiced in real life through her and she expresses that when it's time you know it's generally after she has thought about things and and she knows how it affects her and who she is and you know and what she needs to do about it before she runs off and and expresses it to the public too. And I just, you know, there's a lot of respect in that too. And I definitely 
learn from how she's done things in the past and in the present. For sure. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so seeker of stories, watcher of the work from all of these people, the entrepreneurs, the authors, artists, entertainers, who kind of pull back the curtain on the hard work that goes to make the performance a seamless one, I get a reminder that none of it comes without the hard work and a shot of encouragement to keep on going, making those small steps every day, (laughs) one word at a time. So those are two huge ways that entertainment inspires my creative life. And now that we've shared some of our lighter side and how it impacts our creativity, we would love to hear from you. So how about a QWERTY challenge? That sounds great. Let's do it. Okay. So here are a few questions for you guys. How can you approach entertainment differently? What do you consume on a regular basis? Is it podcasts, social media, TV shows, Hallmark movies, (laughs) whatever your guilty pleasure? How does it boost your creativity? Do you have a creative friend you can share your thoughts with? Or would you like to journal? or vlog your reactions. Is vlog still a word? Like, is that still used? Or am I, I dating know. myself? <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> or video. Vlog. Video yourself. <laughs> and then finally, we challenge you to take some time to reflect on what's inspiring you and determine mm-hmm. how you can incorporate that inspiration into your own creative projects. Yeah. You're pet so, Bodie, aren't you? A little. <laughs> no. <laughs> that inspires. Bodie inspires me. Yes. Would you want to try to let me try to hold him up? I think you should. We can try. Let me move the camera back and see if I can get him in the frame. Hold on. This is why the- y'all should watch on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> He's so cute. He is. He's like a fuzzy wuzzy bear. Oh, and now my dog is making noises. She's cute, too. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) It's Bodie's debut. Bodie! Can you see? (laughs) See, I told y'all he's a big old shaggy bear. He's adorable. (laughs) Look at that baby loving his mama. (laughs) Aw, sweet kisses. (laughs) <laughs> i told you he was big <laughs> he has gotten bigger since the last time we saw you yes yes he has <laughs> and now that may has had her exercise before the evening <laughs> i'm like i'm out of breath um, i don't pick him up very often but i do feel like i need to more he's like he's kind of huggy yeah like he like it's it was a little huggy, which I adore. <laughs> so maybe I carry you more. We'll see. Plus, he is as soft as he looks, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he needs a bath right now. So <laughs> he's softer. He's normally softer than what you saw, but he's been in the creek. So it's a happy puppy. He's a bit dirty. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, we you've got your work cut out for you yeah. <laughs> this week. <laughs> and now you have the vision of a beautiful pup to <laughs> carry you forth. Um, 
Yeah, I just think that we can we we do these things anyway. And sometimes you said the word guilty pleasure a minute ago. <laughs> and it just made me think, you know, maybe it's not so guilty if you actually use it to your advantage. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, take the guilt out of the pleasure and <laughs> add introspection into that consuming of entertainment and make it work for you. So we are literally giving you the permission to say, mm-hmm. actually, I'm working as you're, <laughs> you know, scrolling or watching whatever or reading. <laughs> as you binge the Shadow and Bone Netflix series. Yes. I mean, this is what. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or Arrowverse so, in order. Or Arrowverse. Yes. <laughs> but Yeah. okay well you guys have a fantastic week yes and go make something (laughs) bye bye welcome to QWERTY Writing Life Podcast where we have candid chats about our creative lives this is May and I'm Joy for more information about our podcast monthly newsletter or author resource series visit us at QWERTYWritingLife.com That's QWERTY, spelled Q-W-E-R-T-Y. It's the first six letters on your keyboard. So, are you ready? Grab your tea. Or your coffee. And let's chat.